segment of the college football predictions. From Gainesville, we get the Gators report from Tater. And hey, coach, take a knee. How was uh, Gainesville? Fantastic. Very hospitable. Drive down, it's good. Other than we got stuck right south. Just when you get off 475 coming out of Macon. I don't know what was going on, but we sat there for an hour and then traffic started moving. It was just, and there was nothing. I didn't see a crash. I didn't see police. didn't see construction. Don't know what was going on. Uh, anyways, so we get down there, <clears throat> stopped at some lunch at uh Buffalo wild wings. Then we went over to the stadium, uh, paid an arm and a leg for parking in somebody's backyard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like 40 40 bucks to park Ooh. and it was at, it was at somebody's house that sounds about right but as long as they didn't rob your car while you were in there you're okay no no i mean it's my second trip down there and usually everybody's pretty hospitable um we were probably a half mile from the stadium from where we parked so walk over to the stadium people everywhere we got there about one o'clock game started at four um Went, walked around. Of course, there's people everywhere. You know, you got college students, you got adults, everybody's tailgating. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't know where these people go to the bathroom at. Like, <laughs> Just like look on go, the ground. If you got to take a dump, you're in trouble. I found that out. Oh, no. <laughs> so, at the stadium? Outside the stadium. Like, oh. the, the stadium doesn't open up until like 90 minutes before get kickoff. Right. So we're outside. We're waiting on the gator walk. We're over there. Going to watch it. And the, the gator walk? Yeah, where the players come in. They get off the buses. They come into the stadium. I see. Uh, it's a thing. Um, so, you know, they got the cheerleaders, the band, everybody's oh, out Oh, cheerleaders. There. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's out there. It's, it's a big ordeal. Um. So we're standing there, and I look at the wife, and I'm like, hey, need to find a bathroom ASAP. <laughs> so she's like, well, I ain't staying here by myself. So we get to walking, <laughs> and I'm looking, like, looking for a porter john. I'm like, there's got to be a porter john somewhere. No porter johns, no bathrooms, no nothing. Luckily, the O'Connell Center, which is the basketball arena, uh, was open. I guess they keep it. I guess that's their solution to the bathroom thing. Go over to the O'Connell Center. Is everybody in there blowing it up? Oh yeah, I came <laughs> out. I came out, and the wife was like, uh, "I forget what she said. Something about uh, some guy taking a piss." I was like, "Well, that's a lie because there was nobody taking a piss. Everybody was in there taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> everybody." Anywho, enough of that. So get out of there. We did get to see the buses go by on the way over there. I know. I saw um, the, you guys posted a video of it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. She did all the pictures and video. I don't, I'm not good at that stuff. So, uh, go over by about that time, start walking around looking for just whatever. Um, and then we get in the stadium, we watch warmups. Uh, Florida fans are notoriously late for games. Uh, the announced attendance was like 89,000. I think there was probably 15 when the game kicked off. Really? Really. But it filled up. 
I mean, if it, it filled up by the end of the first quarter. Uh, Notoriously really late. Yeah. Unless it's like a huge, a huge game, like the Tennessee game earlier this year. Seats were freaking amazing. Uh, lower level, 27th row up. Um, so we got to see all the festivities. It was homecoming. It was fun. Uh, Gators actually got a win, which is good. Uh, so what happened with the the play that was uh, trending on on X? Y'all talking about the defender just standing there for like two three seconds? It was super weird. So he got fa- he got his face mask pulled off the line of scrimmage. Should have been a flag, and I think he got his helmet twisted. And so I haven't gone back and watched it, but it kind of looked like in the when I was watching it live, it looked like everything just kind of stopped for a second. And then the play kept going. Um, But he was like over there like fixing his helmet and like yelling at the ref. And then the guys run into the end zone. Like he had an opportunity to tackle the guy. He, you know, he, he, the play wasn't completely busted just yet. But when he, he gave up on it at that point. Oh, so he thought there was going to be a flag and it was, play was dead. Yeah, which I don't know why you would think the play's dead. Even if you get the flag, the play's still going to happen. Right. So, I don't know. There was that. There was some, there was a couple late hits on the quarterback that didn't get called. Um, Some holding, which we, it's every game on, I mean, you could pick a team. It's every game. But yeah, overall, good atmosphere. Uh, Speaking of late hits on a quarterback, that brings up a good point about, you know, everybody has to kind of lay off the quarterback. Quarterback's always super protected or whatever. Even when he runs, he has to, you know, they really kind of got to treat him with kick gloves or whatever. But then I watched a play. I watched the highlights of the Colorado game today, just, just to watch him. Um, but Sanders takes off running at one point during one play. And squares up and literally drills the guy trying to tackle him. He just drills the, I mean, he plows into him and uh, gets tackled. And it's like, oh, okay. So I guess that's okay. And then the next one where he, the next time he took off running, he ran and he slid and the guy hit him and then got flagged. And that's the problem with the rule. And I'm like, how do you... You don't know what this guy's going to do. He could have faked the slide. You're already committed at that point. You're like, I got to tackle the guy. Well, the, yeah. the, the fake slide is, is, against, is against the rules, so that'll get flagged. They, they need to change the rule. If you run outside the tackle box, you're fair game. And just, just I'll pass the line of scrimmage. Tackle box, sure pass the line of scrimmage. You're a runner at that point. You're a runner, and let's be done. Let's play baseball, play football. Is it stupid? Because you see it all the time. They'll lay up because they don't want to get the damn flag, and the guy squirts down for five or ten more yards. It's it's, it's nonsense. Yeah. If you want to run, you fair game. Let's change the rule, NCAA. Especially when the it was obvious that the defensive guy on the first tackle was kind of he kind of checked up before he tackled, was getting ready to tackle him, and Sanders squared up and went into him. And I'm like, well, that's fucked up because mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been frustrated with the rule for several years. 
especially with the mobile quarterbacks like they are now. Almost all of them are mobile. I agree. If you if you run, I mean, even if, like you said, go outside the tackle box, um, if you're committed to running, then you're a runner. And it's the end of the story. If you slide now, if you slide in in the midst of your slide, you get hit. That's one thing. I think the well, the dis- you get the, the instances dis- where the guy is going in for a hit, and then you you're sliding. You can't stop inertia. No, I agree with that. And that's pretty <laughs> much what happened on that play. He was sliding, and the dude was flying in, and he hit him, and he didn't even hurt him. He got right up and was like, "Yep." Like Sanders' knees, like, oh, yep, that's a flag. Yeah, it's maybe the tackle box ain't the best reference, but the line of scrimmage, if you cross the line of scrimmage, you ain't throwing the ball. You're fair game. No, I agree. I do think the rule needs to be tweaked. It's hard to enforce, I mean, because it's really a judgment call a lot of times. And it's affecting the the results of these games, too. The whole targeting rule needs to be fixed. Yeah. It's kind of like the little grazing of the hand on the quarterback's head. You get that foul. That's not mm-hmm. that flagrant. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting during the Florida game. <clears throat> uh, there was a play where the defensive end for Florida was rushing, and he was getting pressure, and the quarterback had all day to throw, but the defensive end was clearly being held like – spun guy grabbed him and you know he's just he couldn't get away from him the guy kept grabbing him and holding him finally a quarterback throws the ball and then another florida player comes in from the other side and lays him out hmm. so that gets called on a late hit but we didn't call the holding it should have been offsetting penalties yeah for Maybe sure stuff like that like you call one but you don't call the other it's like i don't know officiating's kind of just gone to shit well i've seen yeah they even had uh I was watching the highlights. Uh, I think it was the old Miss game, and uh, they threw a flag on the formation. And then the head ref came out. Yeah, said never mind. It was a legal formation. Touchdown. What? Yeah, we had a couple. What the fuck happened? <laughs> we had a couple illegal snaps called, and I was like, illegal snap. Everybody in the crowd was like baffled. Like, so illegal. It's an illegal Did he pick snap. it up first or something? I thought that was like a I don't know. We can't illegal motion can't, or yeah, it's hard like to a tell. false start on the center. Yeah, line. pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's the way the the yardage and everything worked out. But they just kept calling it illegal snap. I don't know if everybody wasn't set and he snapped the ball. I'm not sure. Usually, if if they'll say like, hey, you know, this player wasn't set or that player wasn't set or something. I don't know. Yeah, do they call a number or was it? I mean, they called it on the center. center. Yeah. I just don't know what the illegal illegal part of it was. I need to call my lawyer. Which (laughs) game was it that had that screwed up ending? You talking about Miami and Georgia Tech? Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. So you could have not watched that entire game and been entertained the last 30 seconds. Um, So... Miami has the game won. They're up 20 to 17, 30 seconds left. Georgia Tech has no timeouts. All they got to do is take a knee. They had third and fourth down to run out the clock. 
So just take a knee. You played like crap the whole game. You got lucky. The football gods smiled upon you and said, hey, we're going to give you a pass on this one. Take a knee. They ran the ball. Running back fumbles. Georgia Tech recovers. Two plays later, touchdown. One second left on the clock. You fucking dummy. Then you go back and watch the replay, and it looks, it's hard to tell, you know, you got to have indisputable evidence or whatever, but it looks like the running back's elbow was down before he fumbled. And they reviewed this at the time. So they let, it, fumble. they let it stand. Yeah, they called it a fumble. But then your defense, I mean, they had to go 75 yards. It's not like they went 20 yards and scored a touchdown. They had to go 75 yards in two plays. And did it. And, and did, did it. it. I thought Texas kind of mismanaged the end of that game, their game also. It just seemed like they could have done a little better clock management there. Seems, it seems like the, the rule change has all got them rattled. Normally you don't see this many errors and time management. I'm not, I'm not sure what the difference is or what their thinking is. Like the mindset is like just dumbbuckled for some reason. Well, it used to be uh, you have you have like a you hear coaches say like the f- a four minute offense. You got a two minute, you know, you hurry up two minute offense or whatever. Well, coaches used to talk about a four minute offense, and I'm wondering if the philosophy has kind of flipped a little bit. But yeah, I agree with you. I think coaches are still getting used to the time management in these games. Do we have something else that stood out? Last week, yeah, other than USC going to th- triple overtime or whatever it was with Arizona and almost losing that game, and Arizona is a stink best, too. Oh, yeah, you're not good by any stretch of the imagination. Louisville beat Notre Dame, yep, that uh, they did. They beat them pretty handily. The score doesn't even show how bad Notre Dame played. Yeah, Notre Dame got a late touchdown that makes it look a little yeah. not as bad. But Louisville fucking pretty much had their way with them the whole game, I think. Yeah. That leads into this this week's game. They got Notre Dame and USC, so which one's going to suck less? Yeah, I don't know. USC's defense is terrible. I've been saying all year Louisville's got a good team. Uh, they got some They're studs on the team. They're 6-0? Yeah. I mean, I don't know who they've played other than really nobody. Uh, nobody of note. Notre Dame was probably, I think, the first ranked team they played. Michigan's looking good, too. Yeah. So the next question is, Texas A&M, which has finally found their spark, but their spark. defense is uh, squandering still. Tennessee has no defense either. Is this a pick em? I'm picking Tennessee. Um, where's the game being played? In Tennessee, Tennessee. I believe. Yeah, I take Tennessee. The the real pickums are like, there's a few this week, because that Texas and I mean Texas A&M Tennessee game that's possible, but like the Oregon Washington game, that's gonna be a game. That's probably the game of the week. I would yeah. Think. Number seven versus number eight. 
Yeah. It's going to be a pretty good game. I'm going to go uh, with the Heisman candidate. Yeah, I'm going with Oregon, but. I think he was talking about Washington. Oh, really? Yep. I'm talking about Oregon. <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. Yep. I'm talking about, what's that guy's name? Big Bo, fucking, what is his name? Bo Nix. Bo Nix, a dude. <laughs> he's up for a Heisman too, isn't he? He's probably in the, yeah, he's probably somewhere in the running, I'm sure. He's still got Caleb Williams up there, and I just. I don't see it. I mean, I see it, but I don't know. I think uh, I think Penix is playing a little better with a less talented team. Uh, Washington's favored, but not by much, by two and a half. Do neither yeah. one of them have a defense? The line's 67 and a half. That's home field. Braves are getting blown out. Jesus Christ. Are they really? Sorry. We'll go back to college football. We'll touch on the Braves later. Yeah. I think North Carolina's going to give the Hurricanes a sandwich. You think? Yeah. They're going to win that at home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tar Heels. I think Missouri is a defense optional team. Yes. (laughs) Kentucky isn't. I think Kentucky. All right. So Kentucky. Georgia's just better, right? Just well, yeah, but I was worried. I was worried about Georgia. Georgia came out with a different look offensively out the gate. They were doing more stunts and route crossing routes and other stuff early, and a lot of less than ten yard throws. Yeah, that's that's predicated on the defense that uh, Kentucky runs. So Kentucky, their whole philosophy is we're going to keep everything in front of us. We'll play three deep, which is what they did to us. The problem is we couldn't run the ball, so throwing the ball really wasn't working either. They're they're willing to give up the underneath stuff. The problem is with a team like Georgia who can run the ball and can throw the ball pretty much any time they want to. Yeah, if Bowers is playing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, uh, to deal with Kentucky is if you can stop them from running it, which Georgia was able to do, that quarterback is not very good. Speaking of Bowers, let me ask a question, see if the panel has an answer. When was the last time a tight end went number one in the NFL draft? I don't know, but Kyle Pitts went number four a couple years ago. I'm sure he's an easy top five. I don't see him coming back next year. He's a senior, isn't he? No, that he's. I don't see him playing four years. Really, he, he's too good. I mean, it take a risk getting hurt. I mean, so he might play a third year. I could be wrong. I just don't. I don't see it. Number all right. So Kyle Pitts is the highest. So no tight end has ever been drafted number one. Really, nobody. No. Because, you know, usually it's either a quarterback or running back. Yeah. Running back. Well, not running back's not so much anymore. Maybe back in the day. Um, but we're a, like a defensive lineman. You know, somebody, some skill position player. I think, what was it? Trayvon Walker went number one or number two not long ago. The draft does not put a premium on tight ends or running backs anymore, yeah. which makes 
the Falcons taking B. John Robinson at number eight all more egregious. Yeah. Because eventually, you're not only did you waste money on it, right? You're, if first round well, money. First round money. If he does well, now you got to up to Annie when his true. contract's up, when his rookie deal's up. True. Very true. Or, or let him go, which is pretty much what they did with Freeman a couple years ago. Um, Bowers was a senior. He was a junior. Yeah, but he's coming out. He ain't coming back. Yeah, I don't see him coming back. What other notables do we have here? Arkansas, who I thought had a lot of promise at the beginning of the season, is terrible. Yeah, TCU fucking lost again, too. We might actually win that game in a couple weeks. Yes, TCU is very disappointing. Do not pick TCU. You got to put it in perspective, man. I I understand. I understand. I just... I keep putting my faith into them, and they letting me down three times. You got to think that team last year had nothing but COVID seniors on it. They were supposed to be good, and then they got they were. Then they ran into a wrecking ball. The Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, they definitely Kirby Kirby Smart claimed he doesn't know who Miley Cyrus is. He's lying. Maybe he don't. Because if, it's po- if my it's wife possible. did not play wrecking ball, I would never have known who the fuck Miley Cyrus was. Oh, come on. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have kids when Hannah Montana was big. You didn't even got to know Hannah Montana. I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus. It's, it's his kid. I don't know his kids. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about Billy Ray. Yeah, I remember so. Aki Breaky when it was live, but that don't that just says I'm old. I wish he would have never came out with that song because he would, the rest of that album was good. <laughs> and Aki Breaky took off. That song was crap, but they played the shit out of it, and then he became a joke because of it. And he had so many good songs on that album that nobody ever heard. That's funny. That's kind of funny. Kind of sad at the same time, but kind of funny. Yeah. Well, that song, uh, All Gave Some, Some Gave All. Mm-hmm. Well, he made that a, was bunch, of of, uh, he made a yeah. bunch of He made a bunch of money with Old Town Road. Yeah. Well, he made a bunch of money on Hannah Montana, too. Because oh, sure. he, he was on the show. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he in his press conference, someone made a reference to he made a reference to like wrecking ball and one of the reporters asked if you know with the reference anything to do with Miley Cyrus or something some stupid question and he's like who Miley Cyrus and then he was like well I know wrecking ball the song by Eric Church I know that one (laughs) (laughs) I'm like all right dude you don't yeah, he's not to gonna, he's not gonna admit to it. You don't listen to music. It's fine. Let's just call it what it is. You eat, sleep, and breathe college football. Yeah. Pretty much you ain't got time for nothing else. <laughs> no, you really you really don't. I'm surprised a lot of these guys actually have families. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part partly because of it 
wouldn't be as bad if the recruiting calendar wasn't what it is now, which, you know, it's really, really hard. That's why you see a lot of guys leave college football because they just get burnt. So grind. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so when does it, so season ends, let's say you go, let's say you go all the way, you win the whole fucking thing, the whole shoot match like George did last year. How many days off do you get before recruiting season starts? You get about five minutes. Jason, you need to look at the, there you go, big fella. (laughs) You get about five minutes, Smitty. And you're on the plane. You're not even on the plane. You're on the phone. Yeah. Irvin Meyer talked about that in the Florida documentary. He's like, I just won BCS national championship game. I was in the locker room calling recruits. Really? Yeah. It never stops. So then that's all you do until training camp starts. Just try to get people in the door. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's, there's rules like there's no contact periods um, different months out of the year where recruits can't visit per se Um, coaches aren't necessarily allowed to contact them Um, and so like uh, 20 so the next cycle of recruits can't be contacted so let's say it's 2023 2025 recruits can't be contacted i want to say until september so like this past if i'm not mistaken september 1st of this year you could start contacting 2025 recruits via uh phone if i'm not mistaken i think that's how it works and you can you can't officially offer 2024 recruits until September 1st, I believe. So it's open now. Yeah, it's open season now. Now, back in back in like the 90s, you know, you'll hear like Spurrier and some other old old older coaches talk about it, where during the season, he didn't recruit. You didn't have to worry about recruiting during training camp. You didn't have to worry about recruiting. That was an off-season thing. You know, you finish your season. You had two months till signing day, which was in February. Now the signing day is December 15th, depending on where it falls on the calendar. All right. So it's everything has moved up, and it's faster. If you look at, um, If you look at a lot of the top recruiting classes right now, I think what's happening is not just for recruits, but coaches are trying to get these classes solidified before the season starts. So a lot of them have 20, somewhere between 20 and 25 kids committed, not signed, but committed before the season. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So you, so like, I'm like what Florida's strategy is right now. What I, from what I can gather, cause you're going to have kids, some of the bigger uh, big time kids, you know, five stars, top hundred guys. Um, they're gonna drag their recruitments out to an extent. Not everybody, but some of them. Some of them are in it for more than just what school they want to go to. You know, with NIL and all this other stuff, it's like, hey, you know, which school? 
it's going to offer me the most. Yeah. Right. And so they'll drag it out till sign in day or, you know, through the season or whatever. So, but like Florida strategy right now, we got 20 or 21 commits and then they're focusing all their attention on the last couple guys. You know, must have can't miss prospects that they that we need or they need in the class a couple top 100 guys that they're after actually how many scouts do they have out there so it's a it's it's really because i mean look how many high schools there are how do they even hear about these kids you know what i mean i think it's a combination of things um having relationships with uh, high school coaches, uh, your staffs usually have a region that they recruit. So you'll have like an assistant with paired with a position coach and the assistant is usually responsible for identifying talent in their region, whatever that may be like. Uh, You'll have, so they'll have multiple regions, right? So um, maybe your D-line coach is responsible for recruiting uh, everything uh, Southeast Metro Atlanta, right? And then, but he's, he could also be responsible for an out-of-state region, such as Texas or Mississippi, you know, something like that. Um, but these coaching staffs now, the big ones, like Florida's coaching staff. I'm sorry. You're good. Florida's coaching staff is massive, but they have so many grad assistants and uh, assistant analysts and just all these people. And this is all they do all day. It's like watch film, watch cut-ups, all that stuff on high school kids. Yeah. And then you have the recruiting services. Those kind of help too. Ohio State Louisville. and Louisville. Okay. All right. The Ohio, the Ohio State game they had they had that one. Yeah. That was that was I put that on the coaches more than I would the players. I agree. Um Louisville, they just got straight up beat. Um See what team shows up. They're not going to put up. They can put up points. They've shown that uh, against bad defenses. So if they can hold USC, you know, maybe get some stops, maybe a turnover or two, I could see Notre Dame winning that game, possibly running away with it. Please, if anybody has any questions or comments, hit us up at primecohesion at gmail.com or head to our Facebook page at uh, Prime Cohesion on Facebook and uh, leave some comments. We'd appreciate it.